Welcome back to the Growth Hacking Podcast from New Republic. I'm your host, Nemi Yassini, and I'll be taking you on a wonderful uh, voyage of learning and education. I'm also joined with my wonderful co-founder and partner and co-host, Stacey Isaac. Stacey, want to say hi? Hi, everyone. And yes, I've gone and done it. Blast from the past. You all loved it by uh, amazing demand from everybody Actually, no one demanded. I just thought it'd be great. <laughs> Richard Taylor, give it up, Rich. Hey, Rich, how are you? Hi, everybody. So you guys, you might some some of you might know, and some of you might not. Rich, Rich, and I used to co-host this thing, and then he became really famous and dumped me like a like a hot dog. And now we're bringing him back because Rich has gone through a lot of change, and and we just some of the stuff that he's doing is quite exciting, and I thought it'd be a really good topic to talk about. So. Rich, welcome back. Happy New Year. How was your break? Thank you, Nima. Thank you, Stacey. Great to be back. I don't know whether you really want break information, but it's my four children, which keep me busy, along with their eight cousins for two and a half weeks. Jesus, goodness sake. How did you handle that, dude? Uh, the cousins entertain themselves and we get to sit up on the deck and watch. It was definitely a different break, wasn't it, with kids and COVID and oh, cancelled holidays and, yeah, it wasn't quite the restful break we were hoping for either. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. been ages, though. It's nice to see you. It has been a long time. Great to see you both. So um, I guess to kick off, like, we've known Rich for a long time and obviously through the Optimizely world, but um, why don't you tell everybody about your background, some of your career highlights. You've obviously moved from Optimizely to Salesforce, so maybe just intro into what you've been doing. Yeah, so um, not... A stranger to the podcast, obviously, as Nima mentioned, used to come on regularly from a technology perspective. Uh, so you guys from the agency side and the customers from the customer side and myself from the technology. And at the time, that was with Optimizely. But as background, I'm coming up to now 15 years in the software industry and all the softwares that I've worked with have been focused on improving customer experience. So that kickstarted with an industry-forming technology way back in the 2000s, um, for listening to what customers said about you as a company or a brand. From there, I moved to the ubiquitous technology for surveying, which is all about listening to what customers say to you. But really, the transformative moment was when I realized that what customers say and what customers actually do are usually different. So that was the move to Optimizely for A-B testing your own digital experiences. Uh, and I think the reason that Nima was keen to catch up is my most recent move into Salesforce, which is to go the next step into cross-channel personalization. So where A-B testing is seeking the best experience overall, personalization is delivering the best experience to each individual and being able to do that across all touch points, not just digital, but also assisted channels like contact centers, branches, things like that. And for those who don't know, do you want to deep, like, can you explain who is Salesforce and what they kind of specialize well, hold on, in? Hold on, can I ask a question before you do that? Which one out of all four of those, what was your most <laughs> favorite? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> I know you're in Salesforce now, but like, in all honesty, like out of those four, which one was the one that you're like, is really, like, this really excited me. I really enjoyed that. 
Like my four children, I am really excited and enjoy all of them and will not pick favourites. Such a politician, mate. Right? You are such a politician. The Liberals need help. Our current state premier is rubbish. You should jump in. Yeah, so Salesforce, maybe just give us a quick rundown into who they are and, and what they offer for those of us who don't know. Uh, so Salesforce has been around for a little over 20 years. It, it kind of invented the idea of software as a service where instead of buying like boxed software, you would buy a subscription to it and then it's constantly upgraded and maintained. You don't have to worry about hosting it yourself. Um, so there were lots of benefits way back in the early 2000s. Uh, where Salesforce began was with CRM, Customer Relationship Management. So software to keep track of all of your customers and what you knew about them and what you were doing with them. And then since then, it's just grown to encompass more and more of this customer experience. So from selling to customers in CRM to servicing customers through Service Cloud to providing and powering the digital experiences to transact with customers like through Commerce Cloud to be able to market to and engage with through messaging and advertising through Marketing Cloud. Uh, and now most recently, there's a bunch of others as well. I'm kind of simplifying it. Um, but now most recently into personalizing experiences across all those channels, whether it's sales or service or marketing or those digital experiences. So yeah, you talked about A-B testing to, I mean, like optimizing the days, you were talking about personalization. How's it different between the two? Uh, so you're right, Optimizely is not just A-B testing. It also moves into personalization and actually does that personalization better than a lot of other A-B testing technologies that built purpose, built elements to be able to deliver personalization. Uh, but two areas that I see as different. One is the knowledge of the customer. Optimize is really great at personalizing, like modifying the experience that somebody sees on the website actually changing that experience but it doesn't have the detailed understanding of the customer it's just operating on the website so you on the website isn't you as the person and everything that you relate to with the brand or the organization that you're dealing with it's just that session on the website so moving beyond personalization siloed in a channel to actually personalizing based on everything we know about you i think is transformative and taking that personalization further, Optimize is helping you on the website and in your app, but what about your emails? And what about the advertising? And what about the conversations that you have with the store person actually inside a retail branch? There's like personalizing an experience in one place isn't enough. You want to deliver personalized experiences across the customer experience. And then not that organizations are not doing this, but that personalization can't be in silos. I'm doing one type of personalization with one set of data on my website. I'm also personalizing my emails, but I'm using another set of data. I'm also trying to personalize my assisted channel experiences, but I'm using a third set of data. So it becomes inconsistent. It becomes fragmented or organizations shy away from it and say, we're actually just going to go with static experiences because we, we can't connect all the dots. Mm, yeah, it's interesting. I find as well for us, you know, we have a lot of clients who initially when we meet are all about personalization. And then we often have to take a couple of steps back and say, right, well, that, that's great, but that's a little bit down the track. Let's get the basics right. You know, have you found with COVID and obviously a shift to everyone moving to digital, 
is there an influx of like increased interest in personalization? Or are you working with more of that mature market? Like what are the sort of companies that you work with around that? Yeah, I actually quote you guys all the time saying the personalization makes the experience more contextually relevant, um, which pu pushes people further down the funnel. But if the funnel itself is broken, then all you're doing is annoying more customers. So fix it first with your A-B testing before you go and personalize. Exactly. You heard that first <laughs> on the Growth Hacking quote, Podcast. Quote from Nini Asini. Uh, I, I hope I've remembered that correctly because I do say it's quite You did. Bit. You did. And it's true. Like, why go piss off more people when the experience is rubbish? Um, but yes, you, you're right, Stacey. I think you mentioned maturity. Uh, I've found almost every organization that I'm talking to now is doing A-B testing. They're doing it. They're probably not doing it like as comprehensively or as well as they could be if they were working with agencies or maybe they are. They're well progressed and that program will continue. But the appetite for personalization is there. I think because people are ready for that next step. And actually, can I throw it back? You guys do the um, state of the market survey each year. Have you noticed that as well? Well, notice which bit? That the, the, there is a, an increase in maturity of A-B testing and more people attempting and moving it, more headlong really into personalization. It's really interesting. Like this year, we, like literally yesterday, I read the draft uh, findings. Um, we got about uh, close to... 200 300 people filled in the survey companies filled in the survey and i was looking at the the raw data and what's really interesting is this influx of companies who are just starting up and they've gone straight to personalization it's just like it's ridiculous and then they're doing a b tests but they all run after personalization and i think a lot of them are e-commerce brands you know, because a lot of e-commerce brands, they skip the whole A-B testing and they think if they personalize, the shopping cart will magically just be better. But they're missing a trick. Well, so the shopping cart does magically get better. It's not wrong. It, it becomes contextually relevant and it definitely increases. But I'm such a huge advocate of the concept of experimentation that the personalization program you run needs to be grounded in A-B testing. You are testing the personalizations that you're doing and trying to optimize those. So I think the two go hand in hand. But tell me something, you know, Salesforce has got an algorithm that does all this stuff, right? So should guys like me be starting to worry because me and Stace all of a sudden, like the algorithm has taken over our life? Like iRobot, we don't, we want to... <laughs> the robots have taken over. Yeah, that is the wrong question. <laughs> Are you going to say that to me now? <laughs> no, no, no. So uh, I've put a lot of thought into this because because of that comment that I think experimentation is so important, I think the tenants are the same. So people ask me, how do I get into experimentation or how do I get into personalization? What resources do I need? And it's probably oversimplified, but the response, which I probably learned from you guys as well, is you need an analyst. Someone's looking for friction points or areas of opportunities or, or someone with analytical abilities. It doesn't have to be an individual headcount. So someone to find issues or opportunities. And then a strategist to come up with what are the potential solutions for that or ways to take down that opportunity. Then you need your marketer to be able to configure the technology to actually deliver that or come up with the assets that will go with it. Um, and often a developer, a front end developer to just make that all fly. And a design and then it, the experience look beautiful. And there you go. And, and, then it, and then it goes back around to the analyst again to see whether that's working. So whether we're doing experimentation or personalization or A-B testing or personalization, it's the same concept. There are some simple personalization tactics which should just work. Like if we can add 
recommendations onto our website, we should see a lift. Now, it's not always the case. You, you and I both know that there are stories where someone's added recommendations and conversion rates gone down. Um, so, no, I don't think it ever replaces the idea of finding a problem to solve and coming up with a potential solution and then using the technology to deliver that solution. So, so do you see, like in your mind's eye, is I'm going I'm to replay what you said. Salesforce is really good at connecting the dots between these touch points right, and pulling that data into a central location. And then you lay your experimentation on top of that to find the right place, the right format to present the next best action. And then Salesforce does that bit for you in presenting it. Would that be a good way to put it? Yeah, so I think, I think the pieces that we were just talking about are less Salesforce specific and more just personalization in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a regular listener of the podcast and a, there's a set of common themes that seem to come through. Uh, we've got to culturally bring the organization along. We've got yeah. to unlock our data. We've got to scale the efforts within channels and across channels. Yeah. And that, that last piece, I think, really speaks to the scaling. Yes, there's machine learning algorithms inside the Salesforce personalization technology. And the idea behind that is scale. You can't like making segments, smaller and smaller segments when the resources and assets that you need for each segment stays the same, it's diminishing returns. Yeah. So doing that manually, it, it doesn't scale. That came out as well. Sorry to interrupt you, but that came out in the report. One of the big things for companies who are moving from initiating scaling, uh, building to scaling, all of them, have the exact same issue, can't get enough resources. Mm. So, so this, this idea of getting the machine to facilitate scale, I hadn't thought about it when I was reading it, but it makes complete sense to get the machine to automate some of this stuff. Yeah, but automate within your strategy. So yeah, yeah, of course. here's the problem we're trying to solve. Here's the way that we think we're going to solve it. Now, instead of just A-B testing for one best experience overall, we're going to let the machine just iterate and optimize that particular element for all users, but within your strategy. Um, where the Salesforce piece comes in, I think, is the unlocking of the data. Because so many customers, so many of the organizations that you guys work with and um, organizations across Australia have some of those elements I described at the beginning. They're using us for CRM or they're using us for service or they're using us for their commerce platform or they're using us for marketing. And those are data sources that if you can bring those into your experimentation and personalization program, you can do so much more. Rich, in all the clients you talk to, you know, you're out there evangelizing all this stuff, right? Is the biggest challenge with this whole personalization component, is it because the data's all over the place or not in a usable format or they just, they've got so much data they don't know where to begin? Like, what's the common theme you're noticing across the clients? Yeah, so disconnected data is a huge thing that we have all these data stores they're not connected. And a lot of organizations that I talk to are going through a process to connect them into a data lake or a data warehouse or now a data lake house as a combination of the two. Oh, the lake house now. Yeah, there's right. lake house now. So a lot of organizations are going through that process. Whether that data is then accessible to the teams that need it in the format that they can use it is a second question. And that, that's sort of the CDP side customer data platform side of the industry so we're we're not just bringing the data together but we're also making it accessible for marketers to use in their email campaigns it, but the marketing doing email is often disconnected from the marketing doing the website or the product managers or e-commerce managers that run the website 
but CDP into experimentation and personalization online is a big deal. But what I've found is if you're using a CDP, that means you can get to one-to-one personalization because I know my customer, I've got all my data, but I can't do that in real time because Nima comes to the website and first the website needs to recognize that Nima is Nima and then call out to the CDP to get the information to come back to the website to modify the experience. You can't do that in real time. It's at best next page, sometimes next time personalization. Whereas on the flip side, if you want to do real-time personalization, I now can't use all of my rich data. So I can do real-time segment-based personalization, but not one-to-one. So where I think the Salesforce technology is really industry-leading is the fact that it is both a CDP and an A-B testing and personalization engine together. So all the data is in the right spot, which means you can be doing real-time one-to-one personalization but it's not real time real time right like you said it's next page personalization no the next page is if you your customer data is separate from your execution platform but salesforce is both together so i arrive and it just knows Nemo. yes it just changes well you need so yes there, there's nuance to that so the if, if you bought a new laptop today and went to your favorite retail shopping site jerry hyper nobody knows that name is Nemo because it's on a new laptop, it's the first time that you've been there. But, it, but when you authenticate at some point, maybe you click okay. to the website from an email that JD yeah. Hi-Fi sent you. They know who you are, they send you the email. Or, or you log in to the member area, or you buy something, or you fill out a form to get yeah. a 10% discount, you know, all these different areas. As soon as that happens, we now know that Nima is Nima and the data is available to personalize in real time. And then obviously um, the idea is that when you come back next time, we remember who you are. Who you are. It's quite amazing though, isn't it? Scary. Although I gotta say, no one beat Stacey. She made a couple of recommendations to a friend and in nine minutes, (laughs) conversion increased. That's real time, bro. That is real time. That was real time. That was, it was amazing. So you can either, if you can't afford Salesforce, Stacey. All all the good tips. So, Rich, um, tell us a little bit about, obviously, we've got a lot of people who are doing CRO and experimentation programs and then a lot of clients and customers who are talking about CRM. So how do you see those two kind of integrating and where do you see, see the most value? I actually have very similar thoughts on this concept. And Stacey, to, to address the question, there, there are two broad areas that I think are worth touching on. One is that the knowledge of the customer. So it's all about knowledge of the customer. So Salesforce has this knowledge of the customer and you're trying to do personalization. So the knowledge of the customer extends the scope of that personalization because I know more about you, I can do my personalization better. And then if you're working with Salesforce, we're throughout an organization. So the personalization that you're doing isn't just limited to the website, as you said, Nima, that particular page on that particular session, but yeah. it's throughout an organization. There was actually a stat that we looked at. We do a lot of analysis into impacts. And by having personalization throughout an organization, not just siloed in the different touch points, they've seen a 22% increase in cross-sell opportunities that are identified and a 22% increase in the conversion rate of those opportunities. Wow. Really? So... That's taking all of the different engagement pieces of data, all of the different profile pieces of data, and just understanding where are the opportunities and what information should we be presenting to increase the conversion rate of those opportunities. Um, one of the pieces of feedback I remember that we got when I was helping co-host this podcast was please put in real 
customer stories, not just talking in theory. Um, so I actually have a couple of customer stories that would, would help illustrate this point, Stacey. Perfect. Um, one element, if we look at retail, I suppose it doesn't just have to be retail, but one of our retail apparel customers is joining the online data. So this is behaviors and transactions with their offline transactional data. So the transactions that are coming through the store. So people buy online and they connect back to people in store because I guess they're going, what's your email to get your receipt, right? That's the connection dot? Exactly. Or you're part yeah. of a loyalty program. So yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And things like that. So yeah, no. but joining those two data sources, which are traditionally separate, yeah. then means that they can deliver better recommendations. And those recommendations aren't just used on site as a traditional conversion rate optimization type tactic. They're also used in email and the email recommendations are then leading to higher conversions on site. So that the data points that you're looking at become bigger than just Nima on a page in a session. This is now your offline and online transactional data. A, a second one that I think is useful, which is then customer profile data. There's a credit union that we work with and they were looking at it less from the acquisition perspective and more from the existing member perspective. And their main area of focus was new member onboarding. So they want to personalize the new member experience as I've just joined the credit union. So I think we talk quite a lot about this New Republic and Optimizely, trying to get our customers to move their experimentation programs into the customer, focus on retention, mm. things like that. But a lot of customers really struggled with that concept. Um, so true. They still do. Everyone's so focused on acquisition. What we're finding from the Salesforce side is that people are actually more focused on customer than they are on acquisition, I think, because of just the history of how we've worked with those organizations. Because you came um, from so, a CRM angle, right? That's where, that's yeah, where exactly. we really came from, right? Exactly. So this particular credit union, um, an example that they gave, they want people to utilize all assets available. One of them is the internet banking. So they want to promote, you know, you should register for internet banking, enroll in internet banking, but constantly being delivered that message when I've already enrolled for internet banking is really annoying. Yeah. So they need to be able to look up, is this customer enrolled in internet banking in real time to be able to then personalize the email that you get or the banner that you see when you're on the website or deliver it to the call center agent. So if they're on the phone with you, they can say, hey, I noticed you weren't enrolled in internet banking. That's a really good thing that you should do. So that data store, understanding that profile information and then connecting it to your personalization then drives those outcomes, in this case, adoption. And I'd love to know, is there any kind of common things? Because obviously COVID really turned things on its head and there's a huge movement now to businesses online. And have you noticed any trends or like, you know, the same sort of questions or the same sort of behaviours that are coming out of, of customers now online post-COVID? You know, like we, for example, we've had, you know, we had a lot of um, experiments around like chat box because, you know, uh, stores were closed, people were under, trying to understand the returns, you know, couldn't get onto yeah. call centres, so chat became a really big thing. Yeah, click and collect's a big one. We've click been doing a lot of stuff on click and collect. Have there been any kind of like common themes or questions that clients are kind of suddenly coming to you? Problems, yeah. Post-COVID. I heard a nice expression. We, we're waiting for the moment where it stops being a pandemic and just starts being endemic. And I think we're probably there now. Uh, that's a really big question. And uh, it's something that Salesforce as a company overall, not just the marketing side or the personalization side, has pivoted to heavily. The, and the major themes are 
our customers now need online options. Remember when customers, when, when organizations were not really focusing on digital channels as a main way to engage with customers? Well, a yeah. lot of organizations, especially during lockdown, it was the only way that That's you can right. interact with them. So there's a huge focus on up-leveling the ability for customers to interact with you on any channel that they want at any time. And equally on the other side, perhaps not focused on CRO, but really interesting to organizations is the idea of the digital workspace. Like what is your company's digital headquarters so that your staff have the ability to work from anywhere? So yeah. customers to engage with you from anywhere and staff to be able to work from anywhere. And there's a huge amount of technology that's involved in supporting those things. So do you think there's a space for, you know, what we do in personalization around, because you never think about internal organization and digital culture, because, you know, this world of, that we've moved into is you're engaging with your colleagues digitally, right? And the organization, you're really engaging with digitally and like, our mindset's always been around consumer, but we've never really thought about the internal organizational culture and how that's becoming digitized and how you personalize against that and how you, you know, how you A-B test those experiences. It's an interesting paradigm shift. Is that what you were saying or did I just kind of... No, you, 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 ab- you absolutely took that correctly. And a really good illustration of this is Salesforce acquired the company Slack, which is all about instant digital messaging within organizations. So all the integrations that we're doing um, and development on the Slack side are designed to make this, this is, instead of going into the office, I go into Slack. Oh, interesting. Personalizing Um, against that. And actually- Yeah, the, the personalizing against that. So this is something that I am personally very passionate about that if we think about, so AB testing went to personalization, personalization we want to scale and in order to scale we then we're utilizing machine learning and that's working off all the data sources the machine learning then has the ability not just to recommend a product like here's something similar to what you viewed but it also has the ability to then recommend what the right experience should be i think this person should download the mobile app or we should suppress this person because they've got an open support ticket that's not going very well um, or, so let's not hammer them. Or with- if, you, if you move on from that is think about um, corporate wellness. This individual is logging on at six o'clock at night, four o'clock and early mm-hmm. indicators of people who may, you know, burn out or yeah, w- depression or whatever it might be. I wasn't going to go that far. The, the, the connection I was going to make was to say you could. Those recommendations of what the right experience should be, those recommendations should be presented to all of the staff that interact with customers, whether it's digitally or in person, so that they have that information at their fingertips. And that's incredibly powerful. That is. That's actually a paradigm shift in thinking because, you know, in experimentation, all you think about is consumer, but there are large organisations. And as we shift towards a digital culture, that's a really different way of looking at experimentation and internal-focused, corporation-focused personalization experimentation. That's interesting. The world is changing, that's for sure. i got to say, the world has changed so fast. I, I, I barely can keep up with it these days. Well, I don't think anyone ever predicted the, the way that it's changed in such an epic and global way, right? Who would yeah. have thought, oh, we were experiencing it with businesses having to move and shift online, as you said, but no one, I don't think anyone expected that it would actually filter right through to people's 
working from home, you know, the, the integration of family and, you know, home offices and businesses and HR and, yeah. It's just I can crazy. just see one day someone say, I remember once upon a time we used to travel to work and the kids be like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, we get up early, get dressed and we go to work. You would go to how does that work? We, we, so funny you should say that. We've put a new initiative in place like just this week. People aren't seeing each other anymore, like like staff, the colleagues that I work with, aren't seeing each other anymore because we go into the office so infrequently that they've looked up to find groups of people that live in relative proximity to each other and connected us. So we've created Slack groups that we are that particular region of Sydney or Melbourne or wherever it is that you live, connects yeah. us together so that we can get together for little social things it's less team and now more geographic based because no one's going into the office how insular is the world becoming it's like like the uk you have your boroughs and you never leave your borough you just live inside your borough yeah that's where we're heading <laughs> oh, we never live i have no idea where we're heading like i have no idea what sure where a, the future is i'm sure there's a joke with boroughs in the english sense and boroughs underground that you could make there so rich just off the back of that, what do you think? Like, I mean, I know, I know you said you don't want to make this salesy, so I really appreciate that. But given what Salesforce does, and you know, a lot of the people we talk to or listen to this probably do experimentation or have some kind of program. Where do you think the connectivity between what organizations like yours and competitors do and the current CRO program? Do you think it's like it's for people who if your program's at this level and you're trying to get to this, that's a great place to start thinking about how you bring these two together. Or is it like, if you're starting, this is a great way to start. Yeah, it's a great question. Last year, I was all excited about the personalization transformation. If we're getting data from everywhere and being able to personalize everywhere and create these connected customer experiences with personalization, then organizations across the board can be doing this within an organization across the board. But what I found is that organizations are not set up for that. There's the email team and the website team and the sales team and the service team and the different teams and they report, they have different reporting lines and they have different KPIs and who's going to own it and how do you run it and coordinate. So I might've been a little ahead of the curve with that concept. So, So instead, and to answer your question, I've been asking myself this a lot. I believe each of those individual units can take the next step in their personalization, utilizing the same concept. So if you look at the the website team, they've been running an A-B testing program. They're thinking about getting into personalization or maybe they've started in personalization. We're moving down that path. You should absolutely change up so that that personalization can take into account all of the data that exists elsewhere in the organization. That's such a simple change. You're still doing the same program you were gonna be doing. You just have richer data to work off. So that's one piece. It's really simple to just change that data set. And the same would work if we consider an email marketer and they're trying to drive people to the website for conversions anyway. The email marketer is working. Why couldn't we bring the website engagement data into that email marketing program? So I know more effectively when to send the email or which of those emails to send. So just connecting the... Everyone is already thinking about or already doing personalization. And my recommendation would be the shift that you need to make, keep going with the same program, but just open it up so those other data stores 
a part of that particular program. And then maybe next year or the year after, we can talk about a full personalization transformation. Yeah, I love it. Mate, listen, all out of time. I really appreciate you coming back on. It was nice to see you again, especially at the start of the year. It is wonderful to see you both as well. Thank you so much for having me. Right when to kick off the year. It's great to see you. Well, that's a wrap. You're listening to the Growth Hacking Podcast uh, from New Republic with your co-host, Stacey Isaac, me, Nemi, your host, and, of course, our wonderful guest, Blast from the Past, Richard Taylor. Rich, thanks again, mate. Thanks so much. Thank you. And remember to catch up on our next one. If you have any feedback or suggestions or ideas or questions, please make sure you email us at hello at New Republic and look out for our next one coming up soon. Thanks for listening.